Welcome to the Miles Not Included podcast. I'm Joe. And I'm Brian. Run with us as we talk training, racing, and everything in between. Welcome to episode 11 of Miles Not Included. This week is another solo week, and we're going to be talking about how to choose your marathon pace. How you doing, Joe? Oh, you know, I'm hanging in there, Brian. How you doing? Living the dream. Living, Living the, the dream. dream. So uh, you want to get right into Miles in Review? Let's do it. Miles in Review. So, Joe, what did your mileage look like this week? Now, the mileage was okay. Uh, I ended up taking a little bit of a step back, though. I ran into some trouble midweek. I had come off last week. I had done those... That nice long run, super duper hilly, thought I was uh, okay, but I came out of there with some pretty decent soreness in, in the hips, the same stuff that's plagued me forever. Uh, didn't think too much of it, uh, knocked out, started knocking out my runs at the beginning of the week, and it wasn't too bad. Ended up doing some quality on Thursday, did some mile and a half repeats at marathon pace. And when I finished up that workout, I was definitely feeling the hips and uh, took Friday off, <laughs> involuntary rest day, ended up getting a massage um, for it just recently, but ended up having to take a day off and lighten up Saturday and then came back, did a long run Sunday, but yeah, it's a little touch and go right now with, it's just the same stuff that's plagued me before i don't know if it's a little bit of like tendonitis but yeah i was feeling so good right i was soaring so high i think might have maybe i flew a little too close to the sun well i think that a lot of people at this point in their cycle because at this right now we're what four weeks out yeah just under yeah and you know you've put on a lot of miles and this is when the aches and pains start creeping in and you know self-maintenance is huge yeah, for sure. And you know, the other thing in hindsight I realized too is we were doing so much of the runs on the treadmill and then it got nice right at the beginning of last week and flipped over to the roads. I think that's the other thing that probably I wasn't super smart with is I, I, I started, in, I've been increasing my mileage. I've been incre- increasing the pace of the, the runs and then the throw to go from the treadmill over to the roads might have just been that little extra stress that but we'll see yeah i like i said i got the massage and it seems to be helping took another rest day and we'll try to pick it up and just play it smart and see if i can get to the start line here i just want to be in one piece and give myself a shot at st louis it sometimes that's all it takes you know is just making sure you get to that start line and it'll take care of itself from there yeah kind of a bummer but how you doing uh, it's kind of scary how in step we are with each other. Uh, I also took a slight unplanned step back week. I ran 22 miles last Saturday, came out of it flying high, took Sunday off as I normally do after my long run. I know I'm sort of a broken record complaining about my hip, uh, but it was feeling great. I'd put in huge miles and you know, nothing could go wrong. Got out there Monday, ran eight miles felt great that night things started to feel a little uncomfortable but nothing bad 
uh, got out there with you guys on Tuesday morning, and I think I split off from you at about four miles. Ended up doing six and a half miles, and the last two or so of that was uh, slightly uncomfortable, to say the least. Uh, But I got back to the car thinking to myself, I will take Wednesday off, let it you know rest up for a day, and I'll be back at it. And that is exactly what happened. Uh, Thursday, I got out there, did 10 miles, felt great. As soon as I stopped running, I could feel it go again. It, again, just discomfort in general. Walking around, I felt some pain, not like a shooting pain or anything, but it was definitely there. Uh, that evening, I was like, there's no way I'm running tomorrow. So I also took Friday off and felt okay come Sunday or Saturday morning decided I wasn't going to try and do my long run, but I wanted to get on the treadmill and and do some miles. So I got in there and by four miles in, something wasn't right. So I pushed to five miles and decided, okay, I'm going to stop for the day, try and be smart for once and, you know, take my own advice. And something I preached to all my friends who are, you know, finding these injuries is as soon as it hurts, stop. There's no reason to push on. You're not doing yourself any favor. Um, so I got off the treadmill and the rest of the day I felt okay, which kind of baffled me. Um, so I went to bed and right before bed, I got a text from one of our friends who said, I'm running on Sunday. You want to run? Uh, so I said, sure. Got out there. And in my head, I was thinking, chances are I'll run a mile or two and just call it a day. Uh, he was planning on going 12 to 14. And so I figured I'll see how far I can go got out there, legs felt fresh, didn't feel an ounce of pain the entire time. Uh, We got back to the car at 13 and a half miles, and this is where uh, my stupid brain, you know, gave up on me. Uh, At 13 and a half, I dropped him off at the car and said, I'm feeling great. I haven't had a long run this week, so I'm going to, you know, add a couple more miles. And I started doing, there's a four-mile loop from where we had the car. What I didn't take into consideration was I hadn't had any water yet and I didn't have any gels or or chews with me. Um, And fortunately, nothing bad happened. But I've been in situations before like this. Uh, Ever since it was training for my first marathon, I was training in the middle of summer. And as soon as I hit 15 miles in a race, everything kind of went tunnel vision on me down to the size of about a quarter in front of my eyes. Uh, and from that moment on, I said, I will never run that far without water again. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that sort of went against my, my better wisdom. Uh, but I managed to get through it and was feeling fine. So, you know, it's a, it ended up being a huge confidence boost for me. And I don't know what happened from the day before where I could only do four miles and all of a sudden being able to do 18 and feeling great afterwards. Uh, today I ended up taking Monday off, um, and we'll see where the week goes from here. But right now I'm feeling pretty good. You know, I, earlier in the week I was starting to get worried about St. Louis, but you know I'm feeling better now. So that's good news. So you don't feel it walking around or anything? No, nothing. Uh, if I stretch it, I can I can definitely feel it's still tight in there. Uh, and at this point, it's really just trying not to irritate it. No, that's huge. Yeah, that, the feeling you described, that's exactly where I'm at. It's like, uh-oh, every step, you know, you feel it, uh-oh, it's mm-hmm. over. I can't go, I can't, my race is gone. No. 
And as, as a couple of guys who have had a couple DNSs, you know, I think it's real easy for us to think that's going to happen again and trying to stay positive about it. Yeah, it definitely wigs you out, doesn't it? You've, you start feeling you're like, okay, you, you instantly go back. You're like, I, I know what this is all about. Been there, done that. Yeah, in hindsight, I you know, for me, it's another good reminder. It, it, I was getting a little, probably on my side, a little bit overconfident <laughs> trying to push it and, uh, you know, not playing it smart. It's just... It, at this point, so much of this marathon game is risk reward, and um, it's probably being a little bit silly. I, I was I pushed it a little too far, and gonna I'm I'm gonna pay for it for at least a little bit here. We'll see how it comes out at the end. Yeah, and I have a couple of friends who are going through similar issues right now with different injuries, um, and some of them listen to this podcast. Uh, but you know, I keep trying to advise them, you know, do as I say, not as I do. And as you are feeling banged up, you know, give it the attention it needs. And to your point, don't get overconfident. Don't, you know, push that mileage. Don't push that speed just because you can, especially if you know something is lingering because chances are you're just going to make it worse. And you, that's the last thing you need as you're getting closer to your marathon. Yeah, I should have probably taken that advice. Yeah, with five, six weeks to go, I mean, you can only add so much fitness, right? You can't, you're not going to do something dramatic. I mean, you can definitely improve. You've got a couple of weeks to add add fitness, but being this close to the race and given my history, I should have, I should have probably dialed it back a little bit. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. It's all part of the game. It is. And, that, and that's, I don't know. For me, that's part of what makes the marathon uh, so rewarding is there's just so many things at play, so many things in your training and life and these long training segments. It It's definitely an ongoing challenge no matter how many you've run. So anything else you want to get to before we hit the episode? Nah, I'm good to go. All right, let's do it. We'll be back right after this. With the weather finally getting nicer, people are starting to head out for their long runs, and it's that time of year to start planning for the year's races. For a seasoned marathoner, it's not even a question, but for some with a little less experience, you may ask, how do I choose my race pace? Easy question, right? So Joe, yeah, how do you go about it? Yeah, you know, when I was when I was doing when I was racing more frequently, the whole art of prediction was a heck of a lot easier, but I kind of, I kind of find myself in a similar stage where I was at, at the beginning of being a runner where, yeah, I don't have a lot of information to go on. So kind of where I'm at right now is <laughs> I'm in the guessing stage. I think you would say, um, kind of pulling it out of thin air, but probably, uh, mostly really looking at, um, recent like training runs and trying to use that as a gauge. So for the marathon, a little bit more straightforward. So, um, for instance, just did a long run this weekend. So I'll stop and take into account what I was able to do a couple of faster pickup miles at the end of the run. Um, I call them go miles and, uh, take a look, you know, how did that feel? Was that a pace that I think I can sustain with a few more weeks of training? Is that something that felt comfortable and, uh, use that as a guide, but that's kind of a basic one. There's a lot more precise methods. So let's go back in time. 
when you ran your first marathon, what, how did you decide that, that pace? <laughs> yeah. Did I use my head or my heart? Yeah. I think I used neither there. <laughs> a lot of wishful thinking. So yeah, that one was definitely based on, Hey, I've been doing a lot of the runs at this pace. And frankly, it was also based on, I want this number, which probably isn't a real good methodology, right? Like, hey, four hours sounds like a good time. That's what I want. That's what I'm going to choose. Yeah, I ended up just, I picked a number that was way too aggressive. Um, It was based on a time I had been running and training, like a training pace, but I just didn't have enough miles in my legs. I wasn't doing enough weekly mileage at that point to be realistic. So I uh, chose something that was too aggressive and I paid for it uh, pretty dearly. That first marathon ended up walking the better part of the last probably six miles, seven miles, which I know isn't atypical, but that was definitely, I would say, one of the byproducts of if I would have chosen a little more realistic of a pace, I probably wouldn't have paid so dearly at the end. So you said that you did it based off your training pace. Now, did you actually start the race running at what your training pace was? Was that actual training pace your goal? Or did you say, I'm going to take my training pace and knock off 20 seconds? No, it was was truly the training pace. And I did something, I don't know, I'm guessing a lot of people do, which was I had to hit that pace from the get-go of the gun. So, you know, whether it was the half or the full, in this case, it was the full, I thought, okay, you know, this is the pace I want to run. I better be running this pace, you know, right out of the gate and every mile, you know, stressed about it, looked down at the watch and it was comical, right? Because I was so worried about two, you know, being two seconds slow or whatever it was at mile one or mile two. And by mile 20, when you're walking, you're, you're just shoveling minutes, right? It's all of a sudden, it's like, oh, I'm not worried about it. 9.15 instead of a 9.10 because I just did a 14. So it's, it's something that I, I definitely learned is to, uh, you got to relax. That comes along with it. But in choosing something realistic, you, you, gotta, you also got to be exec- careful about the execution of it. There's, there's the right way to go about it and the, the, the not-so-right not way. So to your point, you, you said you picked the, the pace you had trained at. Yep. I think the other option, as you alluded to, was picking your magic number. Yeah, oh, yeah. I want to run a four-hour marathon, or I want to run a four-and-a-half-hour marathon. And I think that's something that people commonly do. They hear that you know a four-hour marathon is an average marathon, or so-and-so ran a, a you know five-hour marathon, and that's my goal. But all they do then is find a simple calculator divide up the miles and you know they come up with their pace and then to your point they just click 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 making sure every mile is exactly on and if it's not if they're slightly behind they speed up and just you know dig themselves in a little bit deeper hole because now they're pushing a little bit harder than they should have yeah and that's where having shorter races and just having some data points i would say i mean you mentioned training runs as data points the other probably even better data point would be having those races. Um, so if you, if you're for the marathon, half marathon is an excellent data point. And you mentioned, we can talk about some of the calculators are out there or simple rules of thumb, even, um, you know, a lot of people use, take your half marathon time, double it and add 10 minutes 
or add 15 minutes maybe if you're you know have a little bit of trouble translating those shorter distance times into longer distance those are good rules of thumb and it's probably you know in the absence of any of these more precise methods as good as anything you mentioned some of those online calculators some of those are are pretty intense once you really look at them and they can take your 5k pace and turn that into what your marathon prediction will be I don't know what the secret sauce is behind the scenes, but it, it's interesting to see. And then, you know, definitely I don't suggest, you know, using that as your sole method for preparing for a race. Because obviously, if you aren't putting in the work, if you're not putting in the distance, you're not putting the miles on your legs, you won't be able to sustain any pace for that duration because of the toll it takes on your body. But, you know, some of those calculators out there are well worth taking a look at. Yeah, and in particular, I would say, and I think you've used it, Brian, is the Macmillan running calculator. He's had it out there forever. Um, Macmillan's pretty cool story. If you go take a look at macmillanrunning.com, you can read all about Greg Macmillan. And his calculator is probably what most people are drawn to. Um, super simple. And, yeah, he's got a whole write-up. I think it might have been one of his projects for you know one of the degrees he was getting uh, but but the thing is is pretty accurate and f- funny enough the guy I was running with this weekend actually had brought it up and said man that you know that those calculators are are pretty accurate and you hit on one of the keys Brian which is yes these these calculators are going to take sort of the physiological curves that they've developed looking at you know all the different factors but they're dependent on having the proper training for for the distance. So whether you're going from taking a longer race time and trying to translate that into something shorter or vice versa, if your body's not used to it, it's going to be tough. So I'm probably a good example where some of my I would look at some of the marathon times I was running and put in put in the number into the Macmillan calculator and look at the 5k time. I didn't have a prayer of touching that. Um, early on when I started running, it was the opposite way, right? I could put in my 5K and I'd look at it and go, ooh, I could run this marathon and then go out there and not even get close. Um, so, yeah, you got to have got to have the proper training that goes along with it. And then some people just are going to have a little bit different of a physio- physiology, right? You might be a little bit more adapted for short stuff or long stuff. If you have got those bends, it's going to vary. But yeah, I, I really like what he's put together and um, super simple. It just takes a couple, um, you know, he'll look, he'll ask you what your most, you know, take a recent time from a certain distance and then ask what your goal is. And then it just puts it up there and says, okay, here's theoretically what you can do. And then he'll go one step further. He gives you the training paces around it, uh, which are good guideposts too, to kind of get a feel for mm, where should I be maybe on some of these days. Um the one caveat I'd throw in is, I mean, some of those easy, easy paces that these calculators spit out, I personally think they're maybe a little too aggressive. So um, I wouldn't stress about the easy paces, but good guidelines, too, for doing some of your quality stuff. So let's say I don't know what my pace is going to be. I don't trust the running calculators. I don't want to just go out and do my training pace. How else can, what are some of the other methods that I can use to estimate my pace? Uh, you can guesstimate. No, if you don't want to guesstimate. Yeah. I mean, if you're running, if you're running with somebody that's experienced or, 
you've got access to somebody that, that's experienced, I would go there. I mean, I think that's one thing as a runner, right? It, after you do a number of races, you get a pretty good feel for what people are capable of. So, I mean, I would definitely, you know, pick someone's brain that you trust and uh, especially if they're, if they've done the distance a bunch, right? So if you're moving up to the half marathon, you've been doing a lot of 5K stuff. If you know somebody who's done a couple half marathons, talk with them, get a feel for it. Ask them, hey, you know, what kind of kind of training have you done? What kind of, you know, what do you think I can do? And just get a feel for it and zone in there. And then I think do some test runs, even if it's not an official race, right? Maybe do some uh, some quality workouts at that pace and see how it feels. I don't know. I think you probably get a good feel. You know, if you try to do a half marathon pace, if you can't hold it for two miles you know, during your training segments, it's probably a good sign that you might need to take a step back or give it a little bit, you know, push your push your goal out a little bit. And I think that directly ties to your point from earlier about doing your long runs and adding your goal miles at the end where you give your, you know, as you're putting in an 18 miler, make the last four, maybe six miles at your goal marathon pace. At that point, you're tired. You've been running all week, theoretically. And that's going to give you a good simulator for the day of the marathon. Will you be able to maintain that pace? Yeah, I totally agree. I think with the marathon in some ways, I mean, it's such a long race, so many things can happen. Uh, but yeah, it does lend itself well to be able to experiment and, and try to figure out what you can do. Another workout that I recommend is for one of your longer runs is to choose something that's, or to take your pace and add like 10% to it and do maybe 14, 15, 16 miles at that pace. So it, it, it should be a, a pretty good um, simulation of what you're going to be up against. Like you said, once you're tapered and stuff, it'll be a little bit easier. But yeah, if you're looking for, you know, a eight minute pace and you add, you know, 10% to that. So, you know, add, add a minute to it. If you can hold that for, for, uh, 16, 18 miles, you should in theory be ready to go. Assuming your legs are reasonably tired and you have, you know, put in the mileage. When you say add 10%, do you mean faster pace or slower pace? Uh, thank you. Good question. Yeah. I, I, I did mean slow it down by 10%. So yeah, you want to just, just a little bit off that. Um, and I think for beginning marathoners, it, it might seem like, gosh, that's, that's way too easy. But if, if you're training with enough volume and enough intensity towards, you know, closer to your marathon, your legs should be su sufficiently tired. Your body should be feeling those miles. That workout shouldn't be easy. Or if it is easy, it may suggest that gosh, you might be able to go a little faster than you thought. Um, but yeah, that's it's a terrific, terrific workout. And like you said, the fast finish too, I like that one. I mean, you throw those goal miles in there. Kind of, if you can hold four, three, four, five miles, I mean, just a couple miles at the end of a long run like that, that's, that should be a good confidence booster and tell you that you're, you, you probably are ready for it. So um, there's a buzz term out there, the Yasso 800. Are you familiar with it? Yeah, I I did those. Gosh, it's I don't. I'm thinking back now. It must be I probably did them like ten years back. Yeah. So for people who aren't familiar with it, you know this the Yasso 800 is named after Bart Yasso, who came up with the concept. And I 
correct me if I'm wrong here, Joe, but uh, the concept is you do 10 800s and you time that in a total number of minutes and seconds. And you allow yourself that same number of minutes and seconds rest in between each set. Yep. So, yeah. So the example would be, right, if you're trying to run a four-hour marathon, you would do two laps. It should take you 400. Then you get 400. Close. Four minutes. If it takes you 400, I don't know what that's that's about. Yeah. So do your two laps in four minutes and then equal rest. And then you should be able to do 10 of those. And it suggests, yeah, you should be able to do about a four-hour four marathon. Yeah, and a lot of people really strongly follow this. Um, I've seen some chatter on the Internet stating things like it, it tends to overestimate. And, you know, rather than running that four-hour marathon, you can expect more like a 405. And then, it, you know, it, it's not 100%. But as long as you go into it knowing that, you know, leave a little bit of room for error. You know, I, I think it's a great predictor. But again, it all really does go back to you also have to put in the work. You have to put in the distance and the time. Yeah, and I would use I would use that like the calculators. I mean, it's 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 a great workout. So even if it's not a great predictor for you, it's still a great workout. And then I think it's another data point. So maybe that's a little bit of. Um, you know, what we rely on, right, is don't just use one data point, try to collect a couple. So if you've done a half marathon, and you can double that and add 10 or 15 minutes, and you you know, that gives you one estimation. If you go do a, a bout of Yasos, gives you a number, are those in line? Yeah, maybe throw it into a race calculator, get a little bit more precision, you know, do some fast finish long runs. I, I would definitely, I mean, and that's where we I had said before, I think the marathon really lends itself well because you're doing these long training segments. Um, but for the shorter stuff, I think the same holds true. You know, you can put together some workouts where you're testing that pace um, and seeing if you can hold it. There's there's predictor workouts out there for the 10Ks and 5Ks as well that are pretty simple, easy to follow. So now we've got our pace in our mind. Race day comes along. Do you have any sage advice for when that pace doesn't seem to be working. Sage advice, yeah. Oh, man. We've all, I would say, uh, you know, it, go in with a plan and, and try to follow it first off. <laughs> and I know I was joking earlier about, you know, going into that first marathon and trying to hit every mile exactly. I think that's part of the advice is go in, first of all, relaxed. <laughs> yes, you have the plan, but it, it's not like a magic formula, nothing magical is going to happen if you hit your mile pace exactly the first and second and third mile don't don't burn energy on it um but to your question you know when stuff starts going awry uh, yeah (laughs) i guess it depends on the race right but in terms of the marathon i mean go by how you feel um don't I, i wouldn't in the first 15 miles i wouldn't push any faster than you went in there with but I would definitely be ready to ease it back a little bit. That's that's probably one of the biggest things I've learned in terms of race day execution for the marathon is you got to go in there just very relaxed and then let the race come to you. Not I don't know how does it how does it go? You can't win the marathon in the first, you know, to paraphrase another. You can't win the marathon in the first 20 miles, but you certainly can lose it, right? I mean, 
we've all done it where we've just pushed it a little too hard or way too hard. And then it just jumps on you at the end. So I don't know if, if that makes sense to you, Brian, right? It's just so easy though, to get amped up and you've got this kind of goal in mind and you're feeling good and you start pushing and it's just a da- just dangerous territory, especially for the marathon. Yeah. And I completely agree with that. I've on several occasions found myself going a little fast at the start because you get that adrenaline burst and then you start rethinking your approach because I had been planning on running eight minute pace and all of a sudden I look down and I'm running 730 pace at mile one and I feel great. Well, let's adjust and just do 730 Mm -hmm. or the concept of banking time which a lot of people get caught up in is oh i'm i'm a half a minute ahead if i could get two minutes ahead then i could walk two minutes at the end and it's okay but it's that you know you're you're digging so deep that you're actually hurting yourself in the long run and then had you stayed with that steady pace that you had planned on you wouldn't need to walk at the end yeah and that's a good thing to bring up here this concept of banking time it just (laughs) I don't know. It, it, it's never worked for me. Maybe I'm just a bad, uh, bad at managing my time or something. But yeah, it typically turns out to be really bad when you, you, you try to push it a little bit hard thinking, okay, it gives me a little leeway at the end. And my experience is, has been, I guess, consistent with what a lot of the, the books or the websites say. I, I am a big believer in trying to go uh, like even splits or if you can negative splits obviously depending on the course I don't think Boston is pretty good is a good example right you've got the second half is much harder than the first um, but my my best performances definitely came when I was able to uh, run a, a smart first half and then go even or slightly negative second half I guess those are the races I wasn't walking, so that probably <laughs> that's that certainly helped the, that too. But but yeah, when where I when I went out too fast, and you just feel it, and you're thinking, okay, no big deal, you know, I, I can give back a little bit of this. Um, you typically, I don't know, how does it go? You supposedly give back for every second you run too fast. The first half, you give back two seconds. The this in the second half of the race, whatever it goes. But I, I mean. I think depending if you overdo it, you probably give back even more, wouldn't you say? Oh, definitely. Oh. You know, it, walking is a lot oh. slower and stopping to stretch out cramps and whatnot. It definitely will take a lot of time off the clock for you. Yeah. But circling back to, to your example, Brian, where you find, okay, you look down at your watch and you're way fast. I mean, I think the other way can be bad too. It's, you know, don't hit the brakes. Don't, or don't slam on the brakes, Right. Um, and that's, I don't know, it's, it's hard to explain, I guess, um, for me <laughs> to verbalize it, but you, it's that running relaxed is so key. Um, and I think that goes along with it. You don't want to spend a lot of energy during the race. It's during a long race like that. It's fuel management. So, you know, if you're, you're stressing about, gosh, I went too, don't stress about going too fast. Just make the adjustment. Um, you know, don't jam on the gas don't slam on the brakes just let it come to you so if that 730 felt easy and you recognize gosh it's probably too fast and you let off the gas a little bit and if that's a 740 the next one great if it's a 750 fine but just try to manage it it's a it's such a long race just be smart about it (laughs) 
in in the other direction, if you find yourself going, say, 30 seconds too slow, don't think you have to make it up in the following mile. Oh. You know, especially if you're trying to hit a, a four hour time goal, for example, you have another 25 miles to make up that 30 seconds. You don't need to make it up on the next mile. Go at 730 when you had been running at 830 and you really swing the pendulum, you know, just ease it back nice and steady. That's my favorite. You've, I'm sure you've seen this a million times in races, but something like Chicago, the Chicago Marathon or a big city marathon, you look over and there's, you know, there's some guy jumping, you know, running over the curb because it's just, he's stuck in too much traffic and it's just, you're using a ton of energy to try to get around thousands of people. It doesn't seem like a, a good recipe for success. So any other pointers on choosing a pace? Uh, I mean, I just go back to that, that data points theory. I would, I would, uh, get as much as you can and then, you know, get a, if you've got an A goal out there, um, you know, an A race, I should say, get something in front of it and get a race that would, would be a good setup race. So, you know, if you've got, if you've got a 5k is you've got a certain time in the 5k you're trying to hit I mean, 5k is something where you can, you can race one every couple of weeks you can race one every week if you wanted to but get some get some races ahead of it where you can really dial it in those shorter distances um you can use those actual races as um as test as tests um and then for those longer ones yeah get get some stuff ahead of it get those key workouts set up or those uh other races and i'd say to brian before um uh, we should probably throw out the the concept too. Another one um, that I borrowed from McMillan was you might have a, most of us will pick a goal time. um, But McMillan talks about, and hopefully I'm getting this right. It's McMillan. He talks about having an A goal and a B goal and a C goal. Um, Again, this probably lends itself more to marathoning or a longer race distance. Uh, But he goes in there with the concept of choosing a C goal is basically something that says, you know what? I'm, on any given day, this is really what I think I should run. And then if I'm having a good day, this is my B goal. Here's what, you know, I, I think I'm capable of. And then if I have kind of, you know, catch lightning in a bottle and it's it's my day, weather conditions are great, all that good stuff, um, that becomes my A goal. And that's been a system that I've adopted. And it's, it, it for me, it, it helped take away some of the pressure. I don't know if you've done something similar, Ryan, but it was nice to go into a race and say, you know, I don't have a goal. I have these three goals. Um, you know, typically kind of aim, you know, at the, at, you aim for the A goal, but uh, relieve some pressure knowing that, okay, I, I've I've got these other times um, that I'm looking at. And it just gives that little bit of, um, for me, that reassurance, you know, I don't I don't have to, uh, shoot for the moon here. Um, it gives me a little bit of comfort knowing that okay, if if I can hit my beagle, it's st- it's still a good day, and then I always have that fallback. Yeah, and I think that a, a good goal for a lot of people to have as their sea goal is just to finish healthy. Absolutely. And I also want to throw a plug out there for um, not beating yourself up if you don't hit your goal. It's just a race. There's plenty more. And, you know, really take it as a learning experience and use it as fuel on the fire to train for your next race. You know, it's real easy to come out of a race that you've missed your pace and just 
head down. I'm never going to run again. I, I wasn't able to hit that goal that I wanted. Um, you know, and it, that goal could be running a sub five hour marathon. It could be a Boston qualifier. It could be, you know, a ton of different things different for every person out there. And just, you know, just keep your eyes on the prize and know that you can get there, but, you know, use that experience. What could you have done differently? What went wrong that day? It, you know, maybe it wasn't your training even, the weather has an effect on your pace and, you know, adjusting for that. I'm a perfect case in point. I ran the 2012 Boston marathon and the temperature hit, uh, 87, I think it was. And early on I said, I was going to, you know, slow my pace down and you just get caught up in the downhill and the emotion of the race. And next thing you know, I was at mile 13 and, yeah, you, know, you just start watching it fall apart on you. And by mile 18, my feet were swelling and it really had nothing to do with my training. It just happened to be the day that I was running. So, you know, realizing some of that and you can do things to help mitigate that for future races and, you know, potentially try and come out of it not too beat up and you can pick a race not too far in the future and still leverage all the work you put in. That's, that's a great point. So, so many people, yeah, just, don't don't hit what they want and then <laughs> just really really do beat themselves up and and you alluded to it but and sometimes it's just not your day right it's it's the process was all there maybe even the, the weather conditions were there um you felt okay going into it but you just didn't have a good race it happens and um the longer i think the longer race distances that's probably more true right you you really have to be on your game uh for it to happen but that's that's great advice about breaking it down you know let maybe maybe let the dust settle a little bit but yeah pick up the log take a look at your splits and figure out you know what happened and and then potentially even reloading i a lot of people have success right they run a, a marathon they're not happy with and they'll they'll come back within i don't know couple weeks even and turn around and run some really stellar times but use yeah use your head and your heart for that one so i don't want to leave it on on sort of a down note there so the other thing is you know as you finally achieve that goal it's it it opens a whole new world for you i mean i've set so many goals that i thought i could never achieve and as soon as i did that goal became the easiest thing in the world to get again, but that just, you know, gets you to set up the next goal. And that's what you have to really strive for is, you know, not, there's, there's a lot of goals out there. It's not just this goal. And, you know, just keeping that positive momentum going and knowing that you can do it, that you met that last goal and now you're going to meet the next goal. Yeah, for sure. It's, it is funny, isn't it? To look back at some of the, some of the stuff you were trying to hit at the beginning and then, you know, it just, and it happens so gradually for many of us, uh, the times get a little bit faster, a little bit faster. And then before you know it, yeah, you're just at a sort of a different place. All of a sudden something that you couldn't run for a 5k, you can now do for a half. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I think part of the great thing about running is it really does reward the patience and the work. You, you trust the process. It might not always be fast enough for some of us. Um, we get impatient, but you, you put the time in, yeah, you can really blow away some of your expectations. So any parting words before we wrap this up? No, I think, think we did a pretty good job covering everything. 
Well, as always, you can follow us on Twitter. Joe is at McRunner26, and I'm at RunGooseRun. Until next week, keep your shoes tied and your feet moving. Want more info on the podcast? Head over to milesonincluded.com. Are you on Twitter? We are too. Find us at MNI Podcast. Any questions, comments, or even like to be a guest on the show? Hit us up at podcast at milesnotincluded.com. Oh,